welcome back to All Good Points. It's your host, Ricky Gray Jr. It was another wild week in the NFL. For the second week in a row, we had a tie game. We've got a few props and plenty of flops. Grunin seems to be having some trouble in Oakland starting his first season back with an 0-2 record, and honestly, I'm not seeing this season getting much better for him. Last but not least, we'll be going through all the games this week so I can make my picks, and I've got some quick fantasy news for the week. It's all sports, all players, and all good points. Now let's get to it. First up on our props list, we got Patrick Mayhomes. Honestly, it shouldn't come as a shock that Mayhomes is on this list after throwing six touchdowns on Sunday against Pittsburgh. Threw for over 300 yards, and perhaps my favorite part was Casey utilized Kareem Hunt, who ran for 75 yards. Now, Pittsburgh put up a fight, but the kid from Texas Tech showed out for the second week in a row. Now, all six of these touchdowns were amazing, but there's one I'd like to highlight. Mayhomes rolled right and delivered a crazy, crazy pass with a small window to his receiver in the back of the end zone. There's plenty of quarterbacks in the NFL right now that have trouble passing on a rollout, but Mayhomes does it effortlessly. He also threw for a touchdown to five different receivers, including Kareem Hunt. So all in all, I'm really loving Mayhomes right now, and we're going to see if he can keep up the same energy next week. He's actually the first player in NFL history to throw 10 touchdowns in two games. So Mayhomes is already starting off on a crazy, crazy, crazy streak. And I kind of mentioned him last week, but the thing about Mayhomes is all we're going to see is growth. Like, I don't see this guy stalling out anytime soon and turning into this player that can't do this consistently. Now, maybe he's not going to be throwing for five touchdowns a game, six touchdowns a game, four touchdowns a game. But at the same time, we're seeing this crazy kid that's just taking every opportunity to make himself better, make himself a better quarterback. He's leading his team. His whole team around him loves him. Travis Kelsey loves him. Tyreek Hill loves him. Kareem Hunt loves him. The offensive line wants to block for him. And it seems like when Alex Smith was there, there was a little bit of kind of congestion as far as the offensive line went. But Right now, with Mayhomes leading the charge, it kind of seems like he's getting them off on a crazy kick. Casey's playing well. It's going to be interesting to see how they play this week. You know, but we've got to put everything into perspective here because Mayhomes is still young. And he's going to be playing the 49ers team. They got Richard Sherman. But besides that, it's not like I... I don't really think that they're going to be getting a whole lot of pressure on Mayhem. So he's probably going to be able to make a lot of good decisions, a lot of good reads. So if you have Mayhomes on your fantasy, maybe you've been letting him ride the bench. Like maybe you let him ride the bench the first week because you thought it was a fluke. So you didn't start him last week. I would say start him this week because this kid looks like he's actually the real deal. And I can't wait to see what he puts up next time. Next up, we got the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas bounced back from a loss against the Panthers and beat their NFC East rival, the New York Giants. I don't want to say that I'm responsible, but I did tell them to uh, feed Zeke, which they did. Tevon Austin caught two passes for 79 yards and a touchdown, which is great for the pass game. But the real reason they are getting props this week is they brought back uh, Bryce Butler, which was a huge addition to the receiving core. His short stint with the Cowboys had him always in Des Bryant's shadow. So now I think he's going to be pushing himself to the forefront to become a great possession wide receiver, which is really what the Cowboys need right now. They need a possession wide receiver. They need somebody that's actually going to go in there, do the dirty work, get the job done, get the first downs, create separations from corners. And I think that's what Bryce Butler, Butler, sorry, brings to you. And, um, 
the interesting thing about that is they were thin at their receiving corpse line. So, you know, they're saying like, oh, he's got to practice with the team. He needs to do this thing. He needs to do that thing, which is fine. And I understand that. Like he needs to get back to the point to where the team trusts him and the front office trusts him and stuff like that after the things that he said about Des Bryant. But he was a great wide receiver. And now putting him into that mode of, look, you're probably going to be the number one guy. So if he is the number one guy, he's going to have a lot of chances to show out and shine, which is really what I want for Bryce Butler. Because what happened when Des Bryant was there was Des was pushed to the forefront of everything. Like Des was the best wide receiver in the NFL, which we kind of all understand that that's probably going to be either Tyreek Hill um, maybe Odell Beckham, like those guys and Antonio Brown. I can't believe I almost forgot Antonio Brown, but Des wasn't doing the same stuff that those guys was even in his like prime of his career. He wasn't doing the same things that Antonio Brown is doing. So Des is gone now. So there, there's no more Des talk. So Bryce actually gets to focus on him being the number one and him getting a chance to show out, creating separation from corners, letting Dak get him the ball. And what they're going to do is pound the ball with Zeke and then be able to throw these passes to Bryce Butler when he's going to be wide open because they're going to be so focused on stopping the run. So that's the that's the best part about having Bryce Butler go back to a team that he's familiar with is because they already know what his play style is like. They know how he runs routes. He's familiar with Dak, so they have a good relationship already. But this time, he doesn't have a shadow over him that's going to be blocking the things that he do. Things that he does, sorry. Um, Moving on, we got the Chicago Bears. Now, I did say last week that the Chicago Bears defense was going to show up this week. Raquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, and Khalil Mack wrecked Seattle's offense, like absolutely tore them apart. And I kind of knew that that was going to happen anyways. And that's the interesting thing about Chicago's defense is that they have a very, very good defense. Prince Amakamura, or Amakamura, however you pronounce his name, had a clutch pick six that put Chicago up by two scores and kind of pushed the game out of the way. Russell tried to get his team a win, but this game kind of went exactly how I thought it would. Chicago was rushing the ball. They were winning the rushing battle. And although they only won by about 12 yards, it kind of pushed the way that the game was going to go. Seattle won in passing yards, but to be honest, both teams played well. Chicago turned out to be the better team. I kind of see Chicago doing the same thing, continuing the same kind of pattern of rushing the ball and staying strong with the ball and probably making a couple passes downfield because they're playing the Cardinals this week. And with the Cardinals, I mean, you kind of know what you're going to get when it comes to that defense. Like they don't stop the run. They haven't been able to stop the pass. So what's most likely going to happen is Chicago is going to win that game by a lot. Next up on our props list is we got the Atlanta Falcons. Statlanta. The Falcons lost to the Eagles in week one, but Matty Ice came back in good fashion against Carolina. He threw for 272 yards, went 23 for 28, threw two scores, and he got the Falcons back on track, which is the huge part. Like, he tilted the way that the Falcons were playing in week one. Like, they went from playing like a team that we've never even seen in the playoffs to the team that we know and love as the Atlanta Falcons. Now, he's got a tough game going up because he's got to go up against Drew Brees and the Saints. And the Saints defense, although they've had some struggles recently, I kind of do see that the Saints defense is going to pick up the pace a little bit and get everything going, probably play a little bit stronger, play a little bit smarter, 
Don't let a couple of things get away from them. But at the end of the day, I still have to go with Atlanta to win that game. The Atlanta coaching staff, though, really needs to clean up the dumb penalties. There was a head-to-head kit, a head-to-head hit that Devonte KZ put on Cam Newton, and you can't have that. You can't have that hit get a player ejected for something as stupid as that. You see that he's sliding, and I understand that Cam Newton is the biggest quarterback that probably has even ever played in the NFL, but it's amazing that KZ would see him slide down like that, still lead with his head, and lay that smack on him. Like, that's that's so stupid, and you can't have plays like that, and Atlanta's coaching staff needs to get all of their defensive players together and be like, hey, we can't let this happen again because that's the difference between winning and losing a game. Penalties like that is what win and lose you that game. So, Devontae KZ, you're not on my flop list or anything like that, but at the same time, I am really, really disappointed with the fact that they haven't cleared that up, that if anybody does something like that, besides an ejection, you're going to get a fine, everybody's going to be talking crap about you, like you need to focus up and make sure that you don't make those dumb mistakes to get our team in a really unfortunate situation, which it could have went bad really fast, but luckily, Matty Ice was able to put the game on ice and get the job done. Uh, next up is the Tennessee Titans are on our flop, or sorry, our prop list this week. They are on our prop list. Tennessee went against a division rival without their starting quarterback, Marcus Mariota. So they grab Blaine Gabbert, and I, I know, Blaine Gabbert, and throw him right into it. Now, all he did was throw for 117 yards. So we're not going to be talking about how great of a quarterback Blaine Gabbert is, but he did a good job managing the game. Really, though, the person that gets the most props is Mike Rabel. He pulled out some Picasso-esque creativity with a fake punt play that went for a touchdown on their first series. Imagine that. Like, it's first series for the Texans, and they're like, ha, we got them to a three and out. They're going to punt. They got Blaine Gabbard starting. They're not going to be able to do anything. And Mike Rabel's like, watch this. So he brings out a fake punt, lets Kevin Byard throw the ball. And it's like, I didn't even know Kevin Byard could throw the ball, but he throws it to Cruikshank. Boom, touchdown, just to start the game. Like, that is crazy. But, I mean, so smart on Vrabel's part to pull that out of the hat and be like, you know what? Maybe we don't have our starting quarterback, and maybe we won't be a big threat on offense, but I can get you with creativity and being clever in particular moments. Now, Although the game wasn't like a high thrills kind of game or anything like that or high scoring, what you saw was plenty of moxie from Tennessee. A Dory Jackson finally like showed his shutdown corner capability with a nice pick in the end zone against DeAndre Hopkins, which is considered one of the best wide receivers in the league. You won't hear me say DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best wide receivers in the league because all he does is push off. That's it. The only time DeAndre Hopkins has ever been opened is when he's pushed off of somebody and that's how he catches the ball. But we aren't getting into that. Next week, Mariota might come back. I was reading the injury report and he still seems like he's a little bit iffy as far as the nerves in his hand go. But I mean, I kind of figure that they're going to push him to get back because they have to play the Jaguars. That's another huge division rival and probably their biggest competition in that division already. So they're going to want their starting quarterback in there. But hey, if he's hurt, if he's injured, if his hand is giving him problems, maybe it's a better idea to keep him out. But Vrabel might need to bring out some more gimmick plays against that defense. Last but not least, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, 
This is the Jacksonville Jaguars we're talking about. They are 2-0 and with wins over the Giants and now the Patriots. And I called that win over the Patriots. You could go back to the previous episode, and I said that they were going to beat them on strictly defense. I was kind of wrong about the strictly defense part, though, because Blake Bortles outperformed Brady by throwing 377 yards and four touchdowns. Bortles surprised everybody with that, right? The Jaguars winning this week really wasn't a crazy, crazy surprise to me because I knew that their defense was going to be kind of intense when it came to that. The big key here was defense forcing the Patriots offense off the field on third down. The Patriots only had 18 first downs compared to the Jaguars 27. That's a huge margin, right? Jacksonville has Tennessee coming up. If Mariota starts, I want to lean Tennessee. If Mariota doesn't start, I have to lean Jacksonville, but we'll see what happens. But let's see if uh, if the Jacksonville Jaguars can add another win to the column. So now we're going to be moving on to our flops list, all right? That's the perfect way to start off our flops list. First up on our flops is the Arizona Cardinals. From what I can see... The Cardinals are in for a really, really rough season. Only 90 yards through the air this week from Sam Bradford. They barely even tipped 50 rushing yards, and their defense let 34 points be scored on them. I understand that they played the Rams, but good lord. So far, the only silver lining is Sam Bradford is staying healthy. Steve Wilkes, their head coach, said that there could be some lineup changes this week. We'll see what he means by that, but hopefully he's smart enough to see that a starting quarterback isn't necessarily the problem. The offense didn't have over 100 yards until the fourth quarter, and the game was stifled. Like, the run game was stifled by a greedy Rams defense. They went 3-for-12 on third downs. That's frankly just, like, sad. That's just pitiful and only three first downs through three quarters you literally have like the worst offense in the NFL now I understand that a lot of people are calling for Sam Bradford's head and saying that he shouldn't be playing anymore he needs to retire they need to bring in Rosen let Rosen start well what's the point in letting Rosen start when you have like a horrible offensive line and all that's going to happen is Rosen's going to throw a bunch of interceptions and then everybody's going to be asking for Rosen's head it's a it's a slippery slope now do I think the Cardinals can come back from that like anytime soon? No. They play the Bears this week. That's an angry, angry defense. He is going to get hit. Like Sam Bradford or Rosen, whoever is playing starting quarterback is going to get smacked by the Rams defense. Sorry, by the Bears defense. They already got smacked by the Rams defense. So that's the interesting thing is like, what is Arizona going to do about this? Are they going to be able to fix this problem by the end of the season? No. If Arizona gets six wins this season, I'm going to be surprised. I'll be shook if they get six wins this season because I don't see it happening. So offensive weapon wise, who does he have besides Larry Fitzgerald? Not really anybody. I mean, crickets, right? Like I'm, I, you got to understand that they don't have anybody. So Sam doesn't have anybody to throw to versus coming from being able to throw to Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. Okay. And Kyle Rudolph? And being able to hand off the ball to Dalvin Cook? Like, look at Sam Bradford's first game with Minnesota against the Saints. That's the Sam Bradford that everybody knows he can be. Like, we've seen Sam play really, really well. So what's going on right now isn't necessarily Sam, it's the team. So don't get so caught up in, let's get rid of the quarterback, let's bring in this rookie and let the rookie go. 
Why? Unless you want the rookie to get smacked around by random defenses all the time, which is exactly what's going to happen because the offensive line is trash, you're going to have more issues. You'll have a hurt rookie, a hurt, a hurt starting quarterback. You're going to have issues all around the board until they shore up that offensive line. And do they? can they shore it up this year? No, they can't. This year is already set as far as offensive linemen go. Like, maybe they could bring in some people, but I don't see that happening. Even if they bring in people, they're bringing in people that have already been let go by other teams. So they don't really have very many options there. Wilkes is in a very, very tough spot because I don't want to say that his job is on the line in this year, but man, they've got to be taking a look at this guy going, who the hell did he bring over here? So Arizona on my flops list, not necessarily because you messed up in a particular point in the game or anything like that. You're on my flop list because you just played really, really awful for the last two weeks. You've scored six points total between two weeks and you've allowed 58 points. That just can't happen. Now, this next flop might be a little bit on the controversial side. It isn't technically a team that flopped. It's the league. I'm talking about the NFL penalty pileup. There have been some hits that if you take a closer look at it, it doesn't really violate any of the rules. Maybe they could review flags or challenge them like they do everything else, but the KZ hit on Cam is a good example of a NFL rule that needs to be enforced. That is great. But the Matthews hit on Cousins and Kendricks on Rodgers? Okay, come on. Like, I understand driving him into the ground, but if they're kind of already falling, you can't really do anything to angle yourself out of the way. And I think Matthews tried really hard to do that. Kendricks tried really hard to do that. But those were game-changing penalties. Both of those penalties changed the way that the game was going, just completely shifted it. It was an interception on Matthews' part. Like, you know, Cousins threw an interception. Matthews hit him, and boom, it gets called back because it's a flag. I If if he would have lifted maybe a little bit more and kind of drove with all of his force down on him, I guess I'd kind of understand that a little bit more. But what Matthews was saying after the game was that he's not very clear on all of the rules. Like maybe it's like they aren't kind of emphasizing what is a flag and what isn't a flag. Maybe they aren't communicating with the refs of what is a flag and what isn't a flag. But these guys seem more confused than ever as to what they can do versus what they can't do, which is brutal because these guys are getting in situations where it's kind of a bang bang play. They put a hit on somebody. They think it's a really good hit, changes the way that the game is going. And then boom, it's a flag. It gets called back. So the NFL has to do a better job communicating with the organizations and then the referees as to what you can call versus what you can't call. So It's not a team. I'm not putting a team on the flop list for that one. That's actually just the NFL. I think they need to communicate a little bit better, maybe explain what's going on, maybe explain what they, what they, how hard they can hit versus, um, you know, lifting and driving somebody into the ground. Cause those are two completely different things. All I see is a bunch of confused players and, um, it's going to it's gonna ruin portions of the league where if there's a really big play that the defense comes up with, maybe they cause a fumble, but it, since it's a flag, it's not a fumble anymore, and instead the offense gets 15 yards. So the NFL has to do a better job communicating with that. Next up is uh, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Russell's offensive line looked like Swiss cheese after the Bears like recorded six sacks, two of those sacks 
Wilson coughed up the ball. Now, plenty of people are putting Russell in the elite quarterback talk, and I think it's time that that conversation ended. The Seahawks are already 0-2, losing to the Broncos. They shouldn't have lost to the Broncos. And then last week against the Bears. I don't really think they should have lost against the Bears, although I picked the Bears to win that game. But, I mean, they have a better offense, right? Technically, in quotations. Wilson threw a pair of interceptions and added a pick six this week. So he threw the pair of interceptions in week one. He added a pick six this week. Russell was quoted as saying, we're young and we're going to figure this out. I couldn't disagree with you more. You are not young, Wilson. Like, you've been doing this for a long time. You understand how this game works. You know what you're supposed to do versus what you're not supposed to do. That's all on you. You throwing a pick six, that's all on you. Two picks week one, that's all on you. That's that's on nobody else. I wouldn't hold too much weight on anything that Russell is saying because Seattle has a lot more to figure out than just offense. Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright might be out again this week when they face the Cowboys. It's not going to be good if those two guys are gone when Zeke comes barreling through the line. So the Seahawks have a lot to figure out. They have a lot to put together. They're missing, you know, I honestly believe that they're missing Marshawn Lynch. Him not being any there, being there anymore, I think is a really, really big issue. But I mean, they do have a good running back, right? They kind of have weapons on the offense. Tyler Lockett is one. But Russell just doesn't seem to be having that magic anymore. Like, I don't know if all the issues with Pete Carroll and Richard Sherman and all of the rest of the guys that all the issues that have happened. I don't know if maybe that's getting to his head. Sheldon Richardson on their defensive line is gone. He plays for Minnesota now and he was wreaking havoc. So it's it's kind of interesting that Seattle is in this weird place where they're already 0-2. Like you're already starting off behind. You need to get on the horse and get things going. And this week they have to play Ezekiel Elliott. Bryce Butler's back for Dallas. Dak Prescott is playing better. Not great, but better. So I don't think they win this week at all. Last on our list, and this is a big one, Daniel Carlson. He was cut by the Minnesota Vikings on Monday afternoon, but that does not give you a chance to miss our flops list. You should have been let go immediately after the game. You missed three field goals, two of which could have ended the game, but you're not ready for the NFL. You're not ready for the big-time plays. You're not ready for the big-time kicks, and... Right now, where I see it, I don't see Daniel Carlson ending up on another team for probably another like year and a half. And I don't know if he's going to have to go play the CFL and do really, really well there before the NFL brings him back. But there's not a lot of kickers out there that miss three field goals, let alone two, not one, but two great field goals that could have ended the game. And the last one was from about 35 yards. That should be automatic. That's that's close to an extra point. You should be able to chip that in with no problem. He had said, oh, it was a confidence issue and stuff like that. Dude, you can't have a confidence issue. Like it's you're I understand you're a rookie, so you're new to all of this, but you cannot have a confidence issue when it's the chance to end the game against a rival. You have to be able to put that ball through the uprights. That's just a given. So next, what we're going to do is talk about Gruden and the Oakland Raiders and the woes that they're going through down in Oakland. In a post-game press conference, John Gruden was quoted as saying, we have to figure something out. 
you could get your pin out and write that down as the understatement of the year. Derek Carr actually had a pretty solid game, though. He went 29 for 32, good completion percentage, 288 yards, that's nice, and one touchdown. But the Broncos rallied back and finished the game with a field goal from Brandon McManus. That game winner dropped the Raiders to 0-2, and some are questioning if Gruden can continue to coach the same way he has been. The thing is, it's going to take more than a year for Gruden to get this team where they need to be. Also, after getting rid of Michael Crabtree, Cordero Patterson, and above all, Khalil Mack, Gruden needs to rebuild the team. They went 3-for-10 on third downs, but that just sounds like bad offensive play calling. That falls on the coordinator and Derek Carr. He needs to audible the play to a more efficient one, but whatever. The more they lose, though, the more Chucky gets angry. Gruden is locked in. He's locked in for the next 10 years. So this is what I think the offense needs to do to get the job done. You have to get more production from Marshawn Lynch. He averaged only 3.7 yards through two two games. And you have to get more action from Doug Martin. You you brought Doug Martin in because he was going to be taking a little bit of the load off for Marshawn Lynch, but now they're just, you know what, run Marshawn, run, do it. You got it, you got it. But this guy's only getting 3.7 yards. Doug Martin is a little bit better of a scat back. He can kind of get open a little bit better, so they need to get him involved a lot more. You also need more connections from Derek Carr to Amari Cooper. 2016, him and Amari connected for over a thousand yards. That was last, that was two years ago. So they still have that same kind of connection. They just need to utilize it more. Also, you need some better reads from Derek Carr. He's thrown three interceptions in two weeks. Now, it's not just Derek, it's not just Amari, it's not just Marshawn, and it's not just Gruden. It's all of it, right? What it seems like is none of them are on the same page as to what they're supposed to be doing. So they need to break things down, get back to a simple set of plays. Gruden cannot continue to coach in the old school style that he is. He needs to adapt to the new school. You need to bring pistol offense into it. You need to bring a run pass option into it. But you can't have this stalled out offense that lost to the Broncos. Like, and Case Keenum is leading the Broncos. I understand that Case Keenum is a good quarterback, but he's he's a journeyman. You know, Derek Carr is supposed to be your franchise quarterback and your team is supposed to be so good that you roll over teams like the Broncos. You're supposed to be the dominant force in that AFC division. But what it looks like right now is even with the addition of John Gruden, they're going to have issues. Now, John Gruden needs to rebuild this team from the bottom up. He He's let a lot of key players go. You know, Michael Crabtree's gone, Patterson's gone, Mack's gone, and Mack is just showing the reasons why they should have kept him there. Like, what he's doing in Chicago is what they need him to be doing in Oakland. Now, in a couple of years, Oakland is going to move to Las Vegas, my hometown. Does that mean I'll be an Oakland fan or a Las Vegas Raider fan? Absolutely not. I will be a Minnesota Viking fan, still. But... What will end up happening is that that change of scenery is going to bring either positive results or negative results. I don't see it as being very positive if they continue the seasons that they're doing right now. For instance, we brought the Golden Knights here. The Golden Knights took off, got all the way to the Stanley Cup and lost to the Washington Capitals, but they've been supported throughout the whole time. But that was because it was a new team, so they decided to support it. If the Raiders come in as a losing team, I don't think the support's going to be all the way there. So Chucky needs to get this team on track and Mark Davis needs to pull the strings that he needs to pull to get the players in there. 
that he needs to so this team can be a little bit more dominant and a little bit more competitive. I'm not harping on John Gruden. I think John Gruden is a great coach. But at the same time, we've got some issues here that we need to iron out. We need to make this a little bit more straight. They've got to get the ball rolling. Derek Carr needs to make some better reads. He needs to hook up with Amari Cooper a little bit more. Marshawn Lynch needs to put in his work and actually get this team's running game going because right now the running game is just completely stalled out. So they need to get the running game going. The offensive coordinator needs to make some better reads as to as to how the defense is playing them. So there's a lot of variables there that the Raiders are going to have to figure out and get together. But if you're a Raiders fan... I'm going to tell you to uh, to stick through it, right? Try to um, try to see the brighter side of things. You're playing the Dol- you're playing the Dolphins this week. The Dolphins aren't a team that like Ryan Tannehill is not better than Derek Carr. That's that's a fact. He's not better, but are his weapons better? Probably. But the the Raiders need to buckle down and actually get a win in their in their column right now, so they can go one and two and maybe build up a little bit of confidence and a little bit of enthusiasm to get going through the rest of the uh, rest of the season. John Gruden wants to see more from Bruce Irvin. I think Bruce Irvin has been playing really really well, and you can't fault Bruce Irvin for what the rest of the defense is doing. So above all, they need to get everything together. They need a win this week. I actually picked them to win against Miami. So we'll get a little bit more into that when we get to the picks column, which is actually next up. All right, as for this week, I'm going to be taking the Jets over the Browns, Falcons over the Saints, Packers over the Redskins, Eagles over the Colts, Vikings over the Bills, Raiders over the Dolphins, Ravens over the Broncos, Panthers over the Bengals, Giants over the Texans, Jaguars over the Titans, Chiefs over the 49ers, Rams over the Chargers, Cowboys over the Seahawks, Bears over the Cardinals, Patriots over the Lions, and the Steelers and Buccaneers one is a toss-up, but I'm going to take the Steelers. The only reason I'm taking the Steelers is because I think that the Steelers are going to get it in gear and uh, get the mojo going and actually get a win. Patriots over the Lions. I think Tom's going to be a little bit pissed off about that loss, so I'm going to go ahead and take the Patriots. The Bears over the Cardinals. I'm just going to go ahead and take the Bears because I think the Bears are going to keep the ball rolling. Cowboys over the Seahawks. The Seahawks didn't show me much of anything last week, so I've got to take the Cowboys. Rams over the Chargers. The Rams are just going to win that game. Chiefs over the 49ers. I don't think the 49ers have enough firepower to actually beat the Chiefs. Jaguars, Titans. That kind of depends on Mariota starting, but I got to take the Jaguars. Giants over the Texans. The Texans don't really have much resistance, I don't think, to offer the Giants, so I think the Giants are going to roll through there. Panthers over the Bengals. Cam's going to come back with a vengeance. Ravens over the Broncos. Case Keenum's luck is going to run out, and the Ravens are going to take them down. Raiders over the Dolphins. That was kind of a toss-up as well, but I have to roll with the Raiders. I think they get their win. Vikings over the Bills. Vikings hated that tough game, and they just signed Dan Bailey, which we'll get to her in our fantasy thing. So I don't think we have to worry about field goals or extra points. Eagles over the Colts. The Eagles are going to win that game, especially if they get Carson Wentz back. Packers over the Redskins. This is kind of an iffy one because I do like the Redskins offense, but I think the Packers are actually going to take that game. Falcons over the Saints. Falcons, I'm I'm pretty sure are going to take that one. Jets over the Browns. I was kind of leaning towards the Browns getting their first win, but now I don't really think so. So now we're going to move on to some quick fantasy tips. 
All right, so we're going to start this off with our top fantasy scorers. Coming in first was Ben Roethlisberger. He had 39. Patrick Mahomes had 38.8. Stephon Diggs had 35.9. Cousins had 33.5. Blake Bortles had 32.6. We got some honorable mentions. Todd Gurley, 32.3. Matt Ryan at 30.7. And Ryan Fitzpatrick at 30 points even. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to play Pittsburgh this week, and he's at home. I probably wouldn't start him, but I've been wrong about Ryan Fitzpatrick before. Matt Ryan is at home against the New Orleans Saints. I'm personally starting him, so I would go ahead and start him again if I was you. Um, Todd Gurley is playing the Chargers, so it'd be a good idea to start Todd Gurley. Blake Bortles is at home against the Titans. Go ahead and start Blake. Definitely start Kirk Cousins against Buffalo. Definitely start Stephon Diggs against Buffalo. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is playing the 49ers, so I'd go ahead and start him. Ben Roethlisberger, definitely start him against Tampa. Now, here's some quick waiver wire pickups if they're still there. You've got uh, Keelan Cole. He seems to be the go-to guy for Blake Bortles. Through two games, he's got 170 yards. Maybe don't start him just yet, but pay attention to his production this week against the Titans corners to see if it grows. Geronimo Allison. Rodgers is spreading the ball around really, really well. And if you're playing in a deeper league, you might want a viable uh, wide receiver three option. And Geronimo Allison should be able to fill that. Ryan Fitzpatrick is more than likely gone through your waiver wire. But if he is still there and you have a two quarterback league, that's a really, really good option. Last but not least is Dan Bailey. He's the second most accurate kicker in the NFL's history, right? Like crazy, crazy good kicker. Go ahead and pick him up. He's going to be right in there. Kicking field goals probably could get you 12 points. Uh, The most dropped players non-injury related this week was the Lions defense, the Saints defense, Alan Hearns, Michael Gallup, and Duke Johnson Jr. Now, those are just some quick fantasy tips. If you guys have anything that you want to email in, Email it to allgoodpointspodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you send your picks in for the chance at a shout-out. Same email address, allgoodpointspodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at ricky underscore gray underscore junior. I also have a new Instagram page for the podcast. It's allgoodpoints. Just search it. You'll definitely be able to find it. Thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful, wonderful football weekend. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.